Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Before we get to the message, I want to encourage all of you who live locally to go online and sign up for one of our backyard barbecues this summer. Oaks Barbecues are your best opportunity to meet and make new friends at Oaks Church. To see all the available groups and sign up, visit oakschurch.com forward slash groups. Now, let's check out today's message. Father's Day to you today. I'm so grateful that we have so many fantastic dads and this will be a great, great service today. We're starting a brand new series today called Empowered, and it's a perfect day to kick that off. I know this is going to be a series that blesses you. Our initial topic each week, the topic will change, but the theme will stay the same for the next few weeks as we kind of enter into the summer season. But today we're going to talk about receiving and learning how to have and walk in Confidence. Confidence is something that's so important for each and every one of us, and it's something that really is responsible. If we, we can't do well, we can't perform well in anything that we are not confident to perform in. There are certain things that I feel very confident about, uh, and, I, and, and for example, I, I feel very confident to get up on stage and to speak in front of people. That's something I'm confident in uh, because I, I do it a lot. Now, if you ask me to come up here and sing in front of a group of people, that's a whole other story unless it's Bob Marley and I would rock that stuff. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right? That's the only thing I can sing is, is reggae, right? It's all I got, okay? But, it's, but for real, we're all that way. There are things that every single one of us, every single one of us, we have areas that we're confident and we, we feel good about ourselves in, and we have other areas that we're insecure. Every human being. So learning how to receive and walk in the confidence of God is something that's so important and so huge. Now, I'm going to tell a story today. And I want to wish my father, Ken Scrivener, happy Father's Day. I will call you later uh, today, but I'm going to give you a gift today. I'm going to tell a story that you've never heard and nobody has ever heard, ever. And it's the story of the first time I said a curse word. <laughs> my wife has never heard this either, and now she's very nervous. <laughs> it's 1982. I uh, was at soccer practice. I grew up playing soccer. I really want to leave around 11.15 today because the women, uh, USA women's team is playing in the Women's World Cup, and they're going to win against, is it Colombia? Chile? Chile's going down. Sorry, Chile's going down. Anyway, but, but I grew up, and I love soccer. Soccer's my favorite sport that you can play with a ball, and I was on a team called the Miners, and we were pretty darn good. Uh, we had a lot of great kids on the team, a lot of talent, except for one kid named Brian, who happened to be the coach's son. And Brian had made it his job to be the antagonist of the whole team. Because of who his father was, he had a sense of confidence that he should not have had, and we tolerated Brian. Now, his dad, Lonnie, was the quintessential 1980s blue-collar dad. He had the mustache that went down to his chin. Uh, he had the sunglasses that he wore all the time, indoor, outdoor, very creepy and suspect, right? 
He wore those 1970s, 80s gym shorts that are way too tight and revealing and should never be worn by any man in public with the shirt tucked in, socks, tube socks with a ring around him pulled up to here, had his whistle on, and, and, and Lonnie was a, was a tough coach, right? He was a tough coach. And I remember one specific time I was uh, in practice and we were doing some kind of a stretch, whatever, and we had our head down and, and Brian was behind me. And Brian, he was really a weaselly little kid that just drove all of us crazy. And he was making mud balls. This is the kind of player that Brian was. He, he was the kid that was chasing dragonflies instead of paying attention on the field. He's sitting there making mud balls. And Brian gets the idea that he thought it would be funny to launch a mud ball into my mouth while we're stretching upside down. And he succeeded. And rage came over me, and I yelled out the only cuss word I had ever heard because I grew up in a very godly home. And in the 80s on TV, just regular TV, there weren't a lot of bad words. There was only maybe one or two that were allowed to be put on TV. And one of them was the B word. Not that one, the long one. The one that sounds like pastor, but it's a little bit more offensive. (laughs) And so I yell out, you... Pastor. There's some kids in here, so I'm keeping it G-rated. And, uh, and I didn't realize that Lonnie, Coach Lonnie, was literally standing right in front of me. Exactly. So he says, Coach says, what did you say? And it, everything went into slow motion, right? And I stand up like really slowly in slow motion. And Coach Lonnie, he did what Coach Lonnie always did when he was mad. He said, take a tour. And a tour, that's tour, T-O-U-R. But in Oklahoma, it's tour. Take a tour. <laughs> and a tour meant to run a lap. And it wasn't a lap around just our soccer field. That's a lap. A tour was a lap around the entire sports complex. So it gave a young man a long time to think because it was probably a 15-minute run or so, uh, and you could finally come back to practice, and then he would look at me the rest of the practice. Well, the next day, the phone rang, and I rushed to grab it and answered as fast as I could. It was one of those phones from the early 80s that actually, these kids don't know this. They had a handle, it had a circle on the top, one on the bottom, it had a little spirally cord that came out of it that was like 18 feet long. And you, we could answer the one phone upstairs that you know was the little box on the wall and it had the little rotating thing. Some of you have never seen one of these in real life. In the 80s, we had incredible, miraculous contraptions. And you got to go one number at a time and it would go back across next number, back across, and, and this phone, you could take it, and you could go, it was, the cord was so long, you could go into your own room, right, it literally would reach into any room upstairs, and I answer it, and it's coach, coach Lonnie, are your parents there, I lied, no, coach, they're not here, <laughs> sorry, dad, uh, you know why I'm calling, don't you, yes, Coach, I I know why you're calling. He goes, let me tell you something, Joel. He goes, I know my kid's not perfect. And he went through a list. He said, you could have called him a, you could have called him, he literally starts cussing at me on the phone. Listed off about four or five things I could have called him and been right. 
But he said, when you called him a bastard, you weren't talking about him. You're talking about me. And he said, I may be an SOB, but I'm a good dad. Don't you ever talk about that in front of me ever again. And I'm like, yes, coach. And he hung up the phone. And that was a moment, obviously, I don't know how great of parenting that really is, right? You can say anything about my kid, and you're probably right, because I know he's a flunky. I mean, that's really what he was saying. But he drove in a point to me that the position that he held as father was an important position. See, the reality is, is the position, and this is how important it is, the position of father is the most important thing that Jesus talked about when he came to this planet. It's the most important thing. It's the number one thing that he revealed to mankind for the very first time that this creator of the universe was a father that loved us and wanted to bless us. That revelation wasn't there before. God was called all types of things, almighty, all-powerful, God of armies, a, a Lord of lords, you know, Lord of hosts, all these different names. He was not called Father until Jesus revealed it. See, the reality is one of the greatest, when I said that word, I wasn't saying a dirty word. I was actually releasing a curse over a kid, an actual real curse, one of the most insidious curses that the enemy wants to release and has released and is releasing all across this world is the curse of bastard, the curse of fatherlessness. See, the reality is that when you just look at the statistics, families that have both parents, and I'm not giving you this information to hurt or to discourage anyone that maybe is in a single parent home right now or going through a situation or grew up as a child of a single parent home. I'm not giving this information to discourage or to hurt anyone, but I want to give you this information so that it helps you understand how important having a home with dual parents that are involved and specifically parents that love God, the greatest privilege you can ever give your children it has nothing to do with wealth or race or anything else. The greatest privilege that you can give your children is the privilege of a strong family with a mother and a father that love each other and love God and nurture each other and nurture the kids and create an infrastructure that's powerful. So listen to a couple of things. Statistically speaking, Children that grow up in a dual family, a dual parent household with an involved father, they, just look at the list. They have less behavioral problems. They get better grades, statistically speaking, across the board. They uh, are less likely to grow up and commit crimes. They're more likely to graduate from high school. They're more likely to graduate from college. They're more likely to uh, be employed at a higher level. They're more likely to have income levels that are higher. But this one really shocked me when I was studying this week, that children that grow up in dual parent households with, that have involved parents have 25 to 35% less chance of developing sickness and disease. There's something about a whole home 
that protects and creates structure for healthy lifestyles. Now, the beautiful thing is this, is that our Heavenly Father fully knew that there would be a father deficit and a fatherless curse released into the world. It's the number one thing, and this is something my dad says all the, all the time, is that the devil is the original bastard. He's a self-proclaimed, self-appointed bastard. He rejected his own father and revolted against his own father and had to be struck from heaven, fell to the earth. He lives in the curse of bastard, and he releases it throughout the earth. Most of the problems that we have in our modern society, violence, divorce, poverty, so many of these problems, the answer is the love of a father. And the beautiful thing is regardless of if you grew up with it or not, and I want to be sensitive to that, I'm blessed to have grown up with it, but I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm not unaware of how many people that didn't. And the beautiful thing is that our Heavenly Father is so good and He's so powerful that you may have an additional challenge or hurdle to overcome, but you have the God of the impossible to help you do it. You may be a single parent or a single mom and you're battling and you're fighting for the future and to hear those statistics uh, is, is discouraging. But guess what? You're not alone. You have the heavenly father that will come in and he will meet the need and he will bridge the gap because he's a good, good father. And he actually has given us an incredible opportunity to come into relationship with him. See, fathers give identity. That's one of the reasons that when you don't have a father figure in place, children struggle because they lack identity. Naturally speaking, we receive in most cultures a name from our father, a last name that has a meaning, it has an identity. Many of the names that we have are, are names that were son of this and son of that. That's they, literally what they meant, Williamson, Jefferson. All of these different names, the, the kid's name was the name of his father. And it was passed down, it gives identity. It gives purpose. A few weeks ago, we talked about how name literally means character and authority. So there's an identity that father gives. There's an identity that an earthly father releases into his children. But how much more an identity that our heavenly father has released into his children because he too has given us a new name. And it happens to be the name above every name. It's the name of Jesus. The identity that we receive from our heavenly father is an identity that supersedes the identity you can receive from an earthly father. Receiving an identity and having that power and that structure from earth. Come on, you, you, we do understand that just because you have a good dad doesn't mean things turn out well for you. You can still go screw everything up, right? Right? There are lots of people that have no excuse. Listen, there were, I, I had no excuse for some of the behavior that I uh, exemplified growing up at different times of my life. Just because you have a dad, earthly dad, doesn't mean that everything is going to be peaches and cream for you. 
You still have to grow up and become a man or a woman of God and make decisions based on the greater identity that you receive. I heard it said one time very powerfully that you didn't come from your parents. You came through your parents. You came from God. Your original father, the greatest gift you have been given is the identity that you have in Christ Jesus. Have you ever heard someone say, do you know who my daddy is? As a pastor, it's the, one of the greatest fears that you have that you'll raise one of those kids that will be what they call them a PK, right? And, and, they'll, and they'll have this sense of entitlement and they'll try to use their position to get away with stuff. Some of you probably knew one of those uh, growing up, right? And, and so, but at the same time, there's a sense of that that's so powerful and so revelatory when I talk to the devil, I say that phrase. Do you know who my daddy is? Because the revelation of who my father is, the identity that I have from my heavenly father, changes the whole game. Changes the whole game. I don't have authority to defeat the work of the devil in my life because of how good I am. I have authority to defeat the work of the devil in my life because of who my daddy is. So for someone to have an understanding and a revelation, that, that whether it's in the natural realm, hey, great. You better, you better learn your chops, though, because that, do you know who my daddy is, only works so far in the natural realm. But in the spiritual realm, it's massive. I know who my father is. I know what my father has given me. I know the inheritance that I have as the son or daughter of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of heaven and earth. I lack nothing. My father owns everything. All he has is mine. Do you know that Jesus actually said that? All authority has been given unto me and I am giving it unto you. Everything my father has, he has given unto me and I am making it known unto you. What you receive through faith in Jesus Christ is the actual full share of the inheritance of your big brother Jesus. You get the full share. It's not like you get some little little bitty scrap share. He has made each and every one of us co-heirs with him. You share his inheritance. You share his reward. It's good. God is good. I'm going to read you a verse. This verse rocked me uh, yesterday as I was reading through this. This is a verse that speaks of the spirit that you have been given. See, the spirit that's released upon people who, who don't have this, this blessing of father is a spirit of insecurity. It's a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of insignificance. And people that deal with fatherlessness right? I mean, the, the number one thing as a dad, I'm a girl dad, okay? I'm a girl dad. So the number one thing that I do as a girl dad is make sure that no one is more affectionate than I am toward my daughters. No one is going to compliment them and speak life over them more than me. My girls will never walk out into the world with a deficit of self-worth for some snot-nosed, hairy-legged boy to talk sweet to them and trick them up because I was one of those boys and I know how they talk. 
The Lord had to redeem me from some of that, all of that. So I instill in my daughters this blessing of identity and a blessing of confidence. Fathers instill confidence in their children. Fathers give identity. Fathers instill confidence. This is Romans chapter 8. I love, Romans chapter 8 might be the best for, pa, pa, chapter in the whole Bible. I'm telling you. If you haven't read this in a while, go and just soak in it and read it over and over and over again. Romans 8, 14, watch this. For as many as are led by the Spirit, last week we talked about the wind-blown life, the Spirit-led life. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons and daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. That word Abba is the Aramaic word for daddy. It's a very intimate word that's used to speak in loving communication with daddy. As a girl dad, I can't say no hardly to that daddy. I can't say no to that. It's magic, right? If someone says your daughters have you wrapped around their finger, yes, they do. Absolutely, right? And, 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 and listen, and how much more your heavenly father loves you the same way. How much more do you have the ability to reach up your hands? That's why lifting hands in worship is so powerful. It connects you back into the type of faith that Jesus said that each and every one of us should have. Faith like a child. Little kids, they just walk up and they go like this and you can't resist them. You gotta pick them up and hold them because this, you can't say no to this. And when we worship daddy, it does something to his heart and he can't help but reach down and pick us up. They didn't receive the spirit of fear, but they received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. This is such an amazing verse that helps us to understand that the spirit that you and I have been given is the spirit of adoption, that we were far away, but we have been made near through faith in Jesus Christ. He draws us into his family, and he makes us his own, and he makes us so that we are impervious to fear. Fear is not supposed to run your life. Anxiety is not supposed to run your life. Worry is not supposed to run your life. That's something of the past. Before you knew you were adopted into his family, before you knew who your daddy truly is, is the fear that you used to deal with, the worry, the doubt, the anxiety. And you may say, I dealt with it this morning. I dealt with it in that storm last night. Yes, but it's not your future. Fear is not your future. The spirit of adoption has been released to you. You know who your daddy is. And he instills identity. He instills confidence. He makes you powerful. Paul, the apostle, actually says, that I have died and Christ now lives in me. 
Christ is supposed to be our identity. We have all of these things that we think about, that we talk about, that our that we feel like are part of our identity, right? We, I like this sport. I like this food. I came from this town. I went to this college. I'm this gender. I have this socioeconomic, whatever. I'm this race. All of those are lower temporary forms. Jesus Christ as our identity is eternal, it is supreme. It supersedes all of those other things. People fall into major pitfalls when they make the biggest part of their identity something that's temporary. There's no race in heaven, y'all. There's not even gender in heaven. Did you know that? There's no social economic brackets, although some of you may have a bigger house than me because you earned great rewards. I'm going to come to your house and swim. Have barbecues. The, the scripture says that therefore now there is in Christ no male or female, no Jew or Greek, no slave or free. Jesus made it equal playing fields for every gender, every race, and every economic strata. There is no one who has more access or greater favor than anyone else. And we have to stop looking at an outside identity and elevating it in our own minds higher than our true identity. Jesus Christ is our Lord. We're children of the Most High God. There's nothing that you lack there's nothing that you can't overcome. Are there hurdles for different uh, situations in life with race and gender and socioeconomic position? Are there hurdles? Yes, but you have been given the spirit of the overcomer and you are not subject to those things any longer. You have the victorious spirit of your heavenly father and you can overcome. Amen? greatest gift God gave us is the confidence in our identity in him. We have an identity in him that gives us crazy confidence. Confidence is king. It, it keeps you in a position of power in your life and it enables you to perform at massively high levels in both the natural realm and the spirit realm. I, uh, I ran across a story this last week because this thing of insecurity and anxiety and fear is literally, it's a massive human epidemic. It's a human problem across the board. And it doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how famous you are. When you deal with the curse of fatherlessness, it's something that can be a major deficit in your life. There, there's, a, there's a young man that all of us know, not personally. His name's Justin Bieber. He wrote a brand new song, just came out this last couple of weeks or so, called I Don't Care. And in an interview about this song, he said that this song is actually my confession of the anxiety and the fear that I live in and have struggled with my whole life. Doesn't matter how rich he is. Doesn't matter how famous. Justin grew up without a dad in his life. Justin has had a major hurdle to overcome. His talent gave him incredible opportunity, 
but it didn't, it didn't fix the hole. Now, now, this song and all the little kids, all the kids here, they know I'm at a party I don't want to be at, and I don't ever wear a suit and tie. Wondering if I could sneak out the back. Nobody's even looking in my eyes. That he could be in the middle, the center of all the fame, and feel so alone. Sad, but it's a reality. Now, the amazing story, and you, you may judge us for this, but Blakely was given tickets to Justin Bieber. And we were going to go, her little best buddy and her, the other dad, and it was going to be a little daddy-daughter date, and we were going to go see the Biebs, right? And, and you could be upset about that or not. But, but I, you know, I, I had a little Bieber fever, I got to tell you. Just honestly, he's talented, right? He's the, he has the potential to be the next Michael Jackson without all the... Stuff in the closet, right? All right, moving on. He canceled his concert. He broke my daughter's heart. But he canceled his concert because he got saved. Yeah. And this song, even though he's talking about his new wife uh, and the confidence that he has in his relationship with his new wife, the song is actually much more connected into the spiritual relationship that he has. I read in Newsweek just a couple months ago an article where he talked about how his newfound faith and, and his relationship with God caused him to take a self-appointed vow of, uh, of uh, abstinence in, in the regards to sex and to repurify his life in hope that God would redeem his life and give him a renewed opportunity to have a better life. And he re, in that place of abstinence, he reunited with Haley Baldwin, who's Stephen Baldwin, the, the actor's daughter. And they fell madly in love. And they remained, in this News, Newsweek article, he reports that they remained completely abstinent, connected to their faith in God. And if you didn't know, Stephen Baldwin is a radical Christian. Very, very massive Christian, and apparently his daughter shares the faith. And they actually stayed pure through their entire courtship and dating life in, in an, as an act of faith that God would bless their marriage and they would dedicate their marriage to him. Okay? So, praise God. Right? That God could begin to do an amazing work in someone's life like that and could begin to heal a place of insecurity and fear and anxiety that's plagued him his whole life, who knows what God may do in this young man's life and what platform he may have. I heard that he actually had been working with Hillsong uh, to create a worship album is what I heard. Don't know if that'll ever happen or not, but I know he has very close connections into the Hillsong uh, church in Australia. So guys, come on. There's just no telling what the power of the revelation of the Father in a relationship with Jesus Christ could bring into our own personal lives. It's a massively powerful thing. This question of who am I and why am I alive is the biggest question that all human beings have to answer. Who am I? Why am I here? Mark Twain said this. He said, the two greatest days in a person's life are the day they were born and the day they find out why. So many people, they live aimlessly and they don't ever understand their purpose. Purpose is something we receive from our Heavenly Father. It's connected to the identity and the confidence that he gives us. Did you know that there was a time that Jesus was dealing with insecurity and fear? 
There was a time that Jesus needed to connect to this spirit of, of, of Abba, Father. Watch this. This is Mark chapter 14. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's in his last hours of freedom. And he knows the road he's about to walk, that he's about to take upon himself the sin of the world. He's about to take upon himself the, the, the pressure of, of becoming the sacrifice for all mankind. And he has a place and a time of weakness in his life. And this is his prayer, according to uh, John Mark, who wrote this gospel. And he said, Abba, Father. He's crying out to Daddy. In Jesus' place of human fear, was he God in the flesh? Yes, he was. But he was fully human too. And he dealt with the fear of what he was about to walk through. He called out, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not I will, but what you will. Then he came and found them, the disciples, sleeping and said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch for one hour? Can you feel in Jesus' heart the need for a friend, the need for a buddy, the need for some backup? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch, watch and pray Lest you enter into temptation, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus was trying to give Peter the opportunity to understand the secret that Peter would need. Peter was only a couple hours away from his greatest crisis of faith and lowest point where he would deny that he even knew Jesus three times. And Jesus was in the middle of his crisis and the answer was crying out and connecting into the spirit of the Father, Abba, and gaining confidence and courage. Jesus comes out of that prayer time with the courage to walk one of the most terrifying roads that any human has ever and will ever walk. And that was a road that he would walk up to Calvary, Golgotha, where he would die for our sins. If Jesus needed to cry out and connect to Abba, Father, so do we. Jesus is the example of how we all can overcome and how we all can walk in the identity and the confidence of the Father. I'm going to close with one last story because we've been sticking to this theme of, uh, of walking through the book of Acts where the Lord has us right now. And there's a story where the apostles in Acts chapter 5 had moved into a place of of incredible confidence because of who they knew they were in Christ Jesus, what they knew they were called to do, and where they knew they were called to do it. And they began to reach out and stretch out their hands, and miracles were happening left and right. In fact, people were being brought out and put in, in the aisles where they knew that Peter and the apostles would walk through, and just the shadow of Peter would heal people. Miracles were happening left and right. In fact, it got so intense that the entire Israeli government, the Sanhedrin, which was like their supreme court, uh, and all of their rulers came and arrested Peter and the other disciples and threw them in jail. And they said, we'll leave them in jail, we'll figure out what to do, and we'll come together again in the morning. Well, the problem was, is that that wasn't God's plan. So God sent an angel that literally came in and snuck them out of prison. 
and said, I want you to go back to the temple and go right back to work. So they left there, went back to the temple and began to do the same ministry and the same work. Well, when they sent for them the next morning at the prison, the guards came and the prison was still locked. And the other guards that were there were still inside. And there were no prisoners. And they came back and the leaders were terrified and they came and they found them the disciples ministering again, and they threatened them again and, and, and commanded them not to preach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and the other disciples took a stand for their faith, and they literally said this, should we obey God or should we obey men? I want to read this little part of this passage to you. This is probably, uh, this is Acts chapter 5, probably verse 29 or so. He says, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him has God exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgive forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey. The confidence that came upon. Now remember, these guys were uneducated, most of them. They were from the lake town, the towns around the Lake of Galilee. They were country folk. They probably had country accents. When people heard them talk, they could tell that they were country folk from, from the lake region. And so it was astounding to the religious elite people, the rulers of Israel, that these people had so much confidence when they had no education, no station in life. They had nothing that should give them confidence. And this is what it says when they reported how they felt like they got their confidence. It literally says, not in this passage, but in another, that they could tell they had been with Jesus. Guys, when you spend time with Jesus in your own personal life, it shows did you know that when you don't spend time with Jesus in your personal life, it shows too? My wife tells me often, you need to go pray. Now, I'm not allowed to say that, but she is, and she's always right every time she says it. When you spend time with Jesus, it shows I'm going to give you a couple very practical things, and I'm going to pray over you. And I, I really, in my prayer time this morning, I really felt like the Lord wanted to declare something over you today. Um, and I'm, we're just going to create a moment for that in just a second. But the number one thing that my prayer for you is that today you would receive your Father's identity. Your Heavenly Father wants to release to you a new understanding of who you are in Him. The second thing is that you need to make a decision on a daily basis to be with Jesus. If you'll just be with Jesus on a daily basis, put on some worship music, get out your Bible, listen to the Bible app, go on to the podcast and listen. Listen to other great churches or other great teachers, but be with Jesus Get a journal, a prayer journal, begin to write your prayers and your feelings and your emotions and ask the Lord to speak to you and write what he is saying to you. Create a time and a place in your life to be with him. And he'll begin to teach you and train you. The third thing is this, 
begin to declare who you are in him. Declare who you are in him. We created our, our staff and our pastors sat together a couple of weeks ago and, and we literally wrote out a brand new declaration for Oaks Church that's a part of our culture going forward. You'll hear at the end. And it's a declaration of who we are as the people of God and what he has called us to do. It's important that you find scriptures that are meaningful to you and you declare them over your life. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So receive your identity. Be with Jesus and declare who you are in him. Amen. Would you just stand to your feet across this room and would you just take a moment and if you feel comfortable, just lift your hands up like you're going to receive a gift. Lift your hands up like you're the child of faith reaching up to your father in heaven. Father, would you release a word over your children today? Would you speak over your children today? And release an understanding of the identity that they have in you. This is what I feel like the Father is saying. Receive this as the voice of your heavenly Father. Receive this as words of healing that will begin to erase the pain of your past. The pain of neglect, the pain of loss, the pain of abuse. The curse of fatherlessness is being reversed in your life. That's what I feel like the Father would say to you. Do you know how much I love you? Do you have any idea what links I would go through, what heights I would climb, what depths I would dive, what vast mountains I would cross to convince you of my love for you. You are my child and I adore you. Every time I look at you, I smile. My heart warms, my eyes fill with tears of joy, my heart leaps with anticipation. When you reach up to me, I can't resist you. You're everything to me. If it was only for you, I'd do it all over again. I sent my son to die for you. He lived for you. He rose again for you. He released the Holy Spirit for you. He's coming back for you. There's nothing that I have that I've not made accessible to you. All that I have is yours. No obstacle is too great for you. No opponent too strong for you. I am with you, and I will never leave you. I will be with you till the end of time, and I will bring you through every trial, every trauma, every tough spot in your life. I will provide for you without 
fail. Will there be ups and downs? Sure, that's called life. But you are my people of faith and you will overcome. I am releasing my strength to you. I am releasing my power to you. I am going before you in battle. I will fight for you and on your behalf. And I have already won the victory for you. Stand tall. Stand firm. Receive your reward. Resist your enemy and he will flee before you. He may come at you one way, he will flee in seven directions, for I am with you, and I will never let you down. Even the times you felt like I was not there, I was there. Even the times you felt like I didn't come through, I came through. You can't understand it yet, but you will see it in your future. What the enemy intended for evil, I am turning for your good. What he intended to snuff you out, I preserved you and will use to make you stronger. You are my people of promise. You are my child of destiny. You are my victorious ones, and you will win in this life and the next. Declare your identity and me and know that I am with you, says the Lord. Come on and give the Lord a hand. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.